0: Draw us to yourself. We just thank you. Help us to respond to that grace that you show us every day. Lord, as we turn our hearts to you this morning, we ask that you would speak to us, that your word would pierce our hearts. Lord, that we would be ready to be doers of your word as we hear it. So give us ears to hear this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your seats? Well, good morning. morning. So nice to be here at 10 a.m., Rather than 11, I know we've heard from many of you so glad everybody got the memo and that we're here this morning for the last few weeks We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5 through 7 And so this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have um, a Bible with you Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 5 This is actually what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer Beginning in this verse, Um, we know this is not actually the Lord's Prayer because there's a couple of things that he prays in this prayer that he couldn't have prayed. For example, forgiveness of sins. We know that Jesus never had any sins, so he's modeling this. So a better name for this prayer would actually be the Disciples Prayer because the disciples ask him, teach us how to pray, or it would be the Model Prayer. The model prayer. So to actually see the Lord's prayer, you should go to John chapter 17. Um, but would you pray with me before we um, jump in on verse 5 here this morning? Let's pray. God, as we prepare to, um, to study your word on prayer, God, I pray that you may speak through me. God, prayer is um, something that is vital to our lives as Christians that... I know many times, including myself, we have weakened it. God, we don't pray as we should. God, I pray that you may stir our hearts this morning about prayer, what it means. God, I pray that you may speak through me. God, may we live differently because of your word that we hear this morning. We thank you for prayer. We thank you that we can enter into prayer. We thank you for your church and what you're doing here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we will be beginning in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. So if you would read along with me here. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into a room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Jesus is challenging a dominating perspective of that day. And it's the same one of today. The problem that he had, and he's confronting this in this passage. And if you look at verse 1, he had an issue with first their giving. And then he had an issue with their prayers. And the focus that Jesus is trying to get to is, he had an issue because the focus was not on who they were giving to, and who they were praying to, but who was actually giving. And who was praying. And so he's saying it's not about the action of doing it, it's about who you're giving to, who you're praying to. And so he responds in verse 7 and says this if you follow along. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. This leads us to our first point this morning, and that is we pray in sincerity. Jesus is calling us to pray in sincerity. This should greatly encourage us this morning. Because he's saying it's not about the amount of words you say, the vocabulary, how long or drawn out your prayer is. It's about the sincerity of your heart. In fact, he tells you not to pray in that manner. He says to go away in a quiet, empty place to do that. To kind of reiterate this, we see this in 1 Kings. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. As you're turning there, Elijah is here on Mount Carmel. And he's going against 450 prophets of Baal. And they're on this mountain, and there's a little duel that's about to take place. And Elijah goes to them and says, okay, here's the challenge. And he sets forth a challenge with them. And it's in verse 24. He says this. You call upon the name of your God. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people answered. It is well spoken. So they enter into this deal. And we see during the next passages. That for hours and hours. They were passionate. They prayed in sincerity to Baal. And they had long drawn out prayers, they cut themselves, they did all types of ritualistic things, and their God did not answer. And then we see Elijah's prayer to the Lord. Look in verse 36. His short prayer is this, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things. At your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Elijah's prayer was simple, it was short, it was just over 60 words in length, but let's look at how effective it was. Verse 38 Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trenches. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So Elijah's prayer, it was not long. It was not eloquent. It didn't have fancy words. This should encourage us this morning that God says, Come in sincerity. Come in sincerity. This is why Jesus tells us, Go pray in a quiet, empty room by yourself. Because many times, I think subconsciously, if we pray in front of others... Sometimes we can pray things that we wouldn't normally have prayed. And many times when we're alone, I feel much more comfortable getting on my knees before God. Or laying outstretched before God. Or weeping before God. And sometimes I hold that back when I'm in front of others. And we shouldn't. And so he's saying, get away by yourself and go to God in sincerity and prayer. Turn back with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 in verse 8. Is where I'm going to pick up. It says this, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is an incredible verse in scripture and if we understand this it's going to radically change our lives. It's going to radically change our prayer life. He's saying, do not be like them. Why? Why is he saying don't be like them with their long prayers and all of these things It's immediately after, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Point number two this morning is we pray to an omniscient God. Meaning that we pray to a God who has the sum knowledge of all things. You take all knowledge plus all knowledge, every fact, every tiny little thing on this earth of information. He has all of it, beginning, middle, and end. So your needs, your wants, your desires... Before you even know them, God knew them in advance. And so, we need to understand nothing has ever nor will ever take God by surprise. It's not like God is shooting from the hip or a a circumstance appears. And there are some who claim themselves as Christians who believe this. That God is kind of going with the flow and depending on how we react is how God must respond. And it's like he's playing this chess game. No, the chess game is already all figured out. God, from the beginning of time, knew all of the details. Psalms 139, there's no need to turn there. It says, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it. So, what's incredible about this is, God knows everything that we're going to say. And and he actually, it's not as if he just acts like he cares. But he actually does care, even though he knows. He knows. To reiterate this, for those of you who are married or parents, which should be all of us, we all have parents or friends, you know that one story that you hear over and over and over again from your spouse or friend or your parents, and you know exactly when the highlight of the story is and everybody's going to laugh or, you know, when they're going to have a joke and then, and you can, you can repeat this word for word. I know my mom has these stories. I know Amanda and I have these stories. And you just kind of sit back and you can tune it out. That's how God is with us every day. Because he knows everything we're going to pray to him. And it's not like sometimes we are in stories where we tune things out. But he actually does listen. He actually does care. Why does he do that? If he knows. Listen, if you knew everything your spouse or your son or your daughter or your friend is going to say. How actively would you listen? That's how God is with us all the time. And as I started wrapping my mind around this, it was, God, thank you for not being like me. Because if if you were anything like me, you'd be like, I already know what he's going to say. I already know what he's going to say. And I'm just going to go do my own thing. And so this brings up the question. Maybe some of you have already arrived at this question. If God already knows, then why are we to pray at all? I want you to ask yourself, why should you pray at all? If God already knows all the details and has it all figured out. And the essence of this question is, does prayer change God's mind? Does prayer change God's mind? Can prayer change God's mind? And and a point we need to understand here is, back to our second point, God is omniscient. Thus, there is nothing we can bring to God that he did not already know before we brought it to him, right? Right? So, for God, we bring information, or we plead with Him, or something happens, you know what? There's only plan A. There is no plan B with God, because He had all of the information. There's nothing we can bring to Him to begin with. So, some believe, and this is not what we believe, but some believe God's hands are are bound. He's in handcuffs, and until we pray, God's power cannot be unleashed. Maybe you've seen this on TV. It's in a lot of churches. A lot of people, a lot of books. They talk about you have to pray with sincerity for God to act. Listen, who is the focus on there? It's on us. It's on our behalf to get God to act. And as soon as we pray the special prayer with this type of sincerity, God's power is going to be unleashed and God's going to move mountains for us. Listen, Jesus is saying it's not about that. And if we have that view... We have a much smaller view of God than we should and a much larger view of my prayers, right, than we should. Because we don't act like God is a puppet and our prayers are the strings that control him. God can do as he chooses. He is omniscient and all-powerful and he has all knowledge and he knows your needs before you do. And so we enter into prayer in sincerity, but we enter into prayer also knowing that we're not giving God any new information. So many could be asking, well, in that case, why should I pray at all? Why should I pray at all? If God is all-knowing and he doesn't need me to unleash his power, then why should I as a Christian pray at all? Point number three is this, we pray because it changes us. We pray because it changes us. And this is exactly what we've been preaching through on the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5. Turn a page before. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are spiritually weak. Blessed are those who are humble and are empty. So we pray in obedience to God because he's commanded us to pray. But also we pray because we know, church, that unless God intervenes, there is nothing that's going to happen for good. Unless God intervenes, nothing can happen. Because if I don't pray, it's, it's all of a sudden on me to make God move, right? Or if I don't pray, I'm actually taking this situation upon my own strength, but if I'm humble and I'm empty and I'm blessed, poor in spirit, then I go to God and I'm pleading with God. I'm in desperation to God. Why am I in desperation to God? Why should you come to God in prayer in desperation? Because you understand what it means to be poor in spirit. You understand that unless he moves in that situation that's on your mind, in that Family situation in that lost believer in your family or neighbor. Or maybe it's a financial situation or a family situation. Unless God moves, nothing is going to happen. Unless you think you can do it yourself. And so we have to be praying in sincerity. We have to be praying God commands us to do it. But we pray also because it changes us. The dependence is not on us. It becomes to be on God. In James chapter 1, it says every good and perfect gift. Anything good in your life, it says, is from God above. It is not from us. I want to ask you, do you believe this this morning? And if you do, and you say you do, has has it transferred into action in your life? Because this message was very convicting for me. It's not that we just put these messages together. God is working and teaching us and humbling us in this. And man, how often I just rush into prayer or I don't even pray because you know what? I only pray on the big things, right? Or I only pray when something happens. But I should be continually for everything in my life entering into him because unless he acts, it's not going, it's not going to happen. So a lack of prayer in our lives, shows a dependence on self. And if we have a lot of prayer and we're pleading with God and we come to him in desperation, it shows our dependence is on him. I want to take a moment as we're studying through prayer and I just want us to pray. So would you take a moment and pray with me? God, help us to hear what you want us to hear. God, help us to come to you in sincerity. God, I thank you for opening my eyes as I've been studying through prayer. How essential it is. But God, it's not about the act of prayer. It's about our hearts. It's about us being broken and humbled and coming before you empty. Because there is nothing good in us that can change a situation. God, help us to have the ears to hear what it means to pray. God, we thank you that we can pray to you. What a privilege that is. Help us to never forget that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One other thing that I want to share just kind of dawned on me. You know, God has all knowledge. And a situation happens to us. God already knew about, right? Right? A situation happens to us and it completely just floors us. We don't know. We we didn't see it coming and it crushes our world. Sometimes that's a phone call. Sometimes that's a health issue that arises. Sometimes a family member or something like that. What happened in that situation? The only thing that happened was that God gave you access to some information that you didn't know. I was brought in on the plan. And as I began to think about that, that, man, when something like that happens and I'm a Christian, I have a foundation of Jesus Christ who knows beginning and end and has promised to meet my needs and to take care of me. When something like that happens, if I respond, oh my gosh, oh me and my world starts melting down, I'm not living this out. I need, we need to understand, I need to understand that I've only just been made known to this God already knew it from the beginning. It's in His sovereign plan from the very beginning, and praise God that He has given me some insight into this. As we continue, I want to briefly share a couple of reasons that we should not pray. This is not what our prayers should be about. I want to give six things, I'll just list them quickly. We do not pray to impress others or make an appearance. We do not pray to impress others or make an appearance. We do not pray only for ourselves. I would also add, the majority of our prayers should not be about ourselves. Most of the time, they are. That's just our human nature. It's all about me, right? Thirdly, we do not pray to only get things from God. We do not pray to only get things. We do not pray to unleash the power of God. Third, we do not pray to instruct God. And, and fourth, I think it's actually six. I don't know where I got off numbering here. For those of you numbering, you're lost. We do not pray to give God counsel. We do not pray to give God counsel. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We pray because it changes us. And we understand the dependence is upon him to move and to act. I'd like to go back to um, chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. It says, Jesus is saying, okay, then pray like this. And Jesus did not say, pray this. Okay, and, and this is very seems confusing in the Christian world where people all over are praying this prayer as in, he said pray this prayer. He's actually coming against praying in a traditional manner. Just recently we were on a trip and we were at a church from the 1750s and it was this beautiful elaborate church. You went in there's candles lit um, and, and there's people praying and they're reciting prayers and they're going up and they're kissing statues of things. That's what Jesus was coming against. We're not called to to go through a ritualistic thing. We come in sincerity. So he says, pray like this. It's a model that he gave us. So we're going to begin to break some of that down. Beginning in the first verse of that, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This model prayer is broken up into two sections. One's all about God, and the second is finally where we come in. The first one, O Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And there's two important points that we need to remember as we pray. The first is this, to whom we are speaking to. When we enter into prayer, we need to remember who it is we're speaking to. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In a short booklet that Martin Luther wrote, A Simple Way to Pray It's an incredible book on prayer. He shares this. This is his prayer based on that model for that first section. Luther says, Oh God, I have not regarded your name as holy because I have not regarded you as holy. I live in the midst of a people that think nothing of using your name in an irreverent manner. God, I know that your kingdom and your will won't be done on earth as it is in heaven until or unless we begin to exalt the majesty of your name. This prayer that Jesus is teaching is not about us. It's not about teaching us how to pray. It's in regards to his glory, his kingdom, his will, first and foremost. John Stott says, True Christian prayer is always a preoccupation with God, with his name, his kingdom, his will, not with ours. Dr. Tory, great Bible teacher, evangelist, says this, and this was very convicting. I want you to listen. We should never utter one syllable of prayer, either in public or in private, until we are definitely conscious that we have come into the presence of God and are actually praying to Him. How guilty are we? How guilty am I flippantly going into prayer and just spouting things off like I have demands? This and this and a good night's sleep, and it becomes routine. And he's saying, we come in and first and foremost, we need to understand who we're entering into prayer with. Secondly, we need to remember who we are to pray. Who we are to pray. So first, who we're praying to. But secondly, we need to remember who we are to come into the presence of God. Who am I, a sinful, broken person Depraved of all things good except what God has done in me. To act like I should come into his presence. And I loved this quote from R.C. Sproul. It says, sometimes we speak to God as if he were our pal. However, God, if God were to appear before us, such familiarness would vanish from our souls. And we would be on our faces, groveling in the dust before his majesty. This should be our posture when we come to prayer. And then he says this, We have been invited to come before him boldly, but never arrogantly. He has invited us to come before the throne of God boldly, but never arrogantly. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We come before God knowing it depends on him. So, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This first portion is all about him. The second portion is finally when we come into the picture. Let's look at it. And it's not like we normally see ourselves in prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What is this verse about? What are these three verses about? They're all about us being poor in spirit. If we read our daily bread. In this, God, as we've preached before, is seen as our father, our provider. And we are, like Terry recently preached, coming in the spirit of a child. That unless God provides, we get nothing. So he says, give us this day our daily bread. God is the one who gives. It starts with him. God is the one who gives. And then we say our. Is it really our daily bread? No, not until he gives it, right? And these are the basic necessities of life. We have all of those things here in America. Many times we're praying for over and above. But Jesus is saying he's the one who gives you your daily food. Give us this day our daily bread. Our simple needs are met by him. He's the one who responds first. And it's not by our prayers. It's us pleading with him. God, if you decide to withhold from me today my food, I won't have any. I'm coming to you and I'm praying in desperation because I am poor in spirit. And I know that unless you work on my behalf, there's nothing I can do. Many of us are like, no, I have food. I got food in the, in the cupboards and all these things. That's a dependence on self. We should be blessed and thankful that God has given us those provisions. But we understand that he's the one that provided them. Goes on to say, forgive us. He's the one that first has to do this. We're asking for him to. He doesn't have to. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. We can only forgive others. Why? Because God first forgave us. Do we see how helpless we are? in this passage of teaching us how to pray teaching us how to pray we come into to prayer with god and it's all about god working in and through us and that we are saying god please come speak as i read through this i started listening to my prayers my wife and i we pray together every night before we go to bed and it can become very mundane it can become, especially every night, I mean, it can become very, but even in my just daily prayers of things, it can become very stale and stagnant, and it can become all about me. Naturally, if, I, if I'm not intentional about realizing prayer, coming in sincerity, understanding who I'm praying to, who I am to even enter into the presence of God, I come and I say, God, I pray for my day tomorrow, I pray for my work, I pray for this food that's mine, I pray for a good night's sleep. All me centered. All me centered. And that's naturally how my prayers tend to go. Maybe you're more spiritual than I am, but that's naturally how we tend to shift and our prayer life easily becomes about us. So we pray in sincerity. We pray to a God who's all-knowing. He knows all of these things. When we get that And we enter into prayer with him. I think it really changes us. Because you're now praying. And you're consciously aware that he knows everything. He knows your needs before you know your needs. He knows the situations you're in. And he knew you were going to be in them before you even had an idea. So any situation that we come in contact with. We're just now learning about it. God had it all figured out. And he's been working. And he knows our needs. That should encourage us this morning. We need to come to God in desperation, in prayer. That should be how we live. Uh, A simple acronym to remember, and we've used it some here, is the acronym of ACTS. Adoration. We should first come into God with adoration, praising Him. It's all about Him. And then we come in and we confess who we are, our brokenness. We ask for forgiveness of those things. Thanksgiving, we thank Him for the things He's already provided. And all this is because God's already done it. And then last, supplication. God already knows your needs. But you're asking for those, you're pleading with him because you're desperate for God to work in and through situations. So the acronym ACTS is something in your daily prayer life that if you just start to implement that, it will change. It will change your prayer life. I want to end with an interesting story that pertains to this. Years ago, there was a barber named Peter who made his living cutting hair and shaving faces. One day, as he was cutting the hair of a customer, he looked up and he saw a man come in the door. He immediately recognized as an outlaw with a huge bounty on his head. He knew that he had an opportunity. When the outlaw got into the barber's chair, the barber put the apron on him, taking out the sharpest knife he had, applied soap to the man's chin and neck, and pressed The razor into his jugular vein. With one swipe. He could be retired and and living well. For the rest of his life. Just a little more pressure. The reward would be his. However the barber had no intention. Of even nicking his client in the neck. Because the barber had a profound respect. For the customer. Even though he was an outlaw. This outlaw in the barber's chair. Was Martin Luther. And the barber saw Martin Luther. Not as an outlaw. But as his spiritual mentor. One day, the barber was shaving Martin Luther and said to him, Dr. Luther, can you teach me how to pray? Luther said, of course, I'd be happy to do that. When the shave was finished, Martin Luther went back to his cell and wrote a book for his barber entitled, A Simple Way to Pray. And this is one of the greatest books on how to practically pray. You've already heard an excerpt from this book this morning. But on the way out of service this morning, we've made one of these booklets available to you and your family. And we'd, we'd encourage you to pick it up and pray through it. He actually leads you how to pray and how to model your prayers after the Ten Commandments. The Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. And then also um, some creeds in there. And it's just an incredible, incredible booklet for that. So as we pray, I hope you remember, we pray in sincerity to God. We pray to an omniscient God who knows your needs. We pray because it changes us. We're the ones in need. Remember who we're speaking to when we come into prayer. Remember who we are to speak. And that unless God moves... Nothing good is going to happen, so we should enter into desperation to him. And thankful that God uses our prayers to do his sovereign will. He allows us to come alongside of him to accomplish those things. But it's not because of our prayers, it's in and through them. And so what a blessing that is. I pray that we may be a church that is continually poor in spirit. As we enter into prayer, as we have fellowship with one another, that we humble ourselves. Would you pray with me as we close? God, what a privilege it is that you use our prayers to accomplish your will. God, help us not to think that it's all about me. God, it's all about you. It's all about your will, your kingdom, your name. God we thank you that we can come before you boldly. God help us not to come to you arrogantly. Help us to know you know our needs. God, you know every situation that's on our hearts, every situation that's going to come to our door in the next weeks and months and years. God help us to be a church and a people who are praying to you for you to act and for you to move on our behalf but more importantly, to glorify you. God, may our lives glorify you with everything that we think and that we say and that we do. God, we thank you for your church and how you are moving. And we thank you that your plans never change because you are unchangeable. And because of that, it can give us hope. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we now have our potluck luncheon and I encourage all of you to, uh, to go and enjoy that. But on the schedule, immediately following the potluck, we will have a special business meeting right back here. So we would ask our members to please stick around so that you can be at this meeting um, and we we're planning on it being at uh, 1245, 1245 back in here. So let's enjoy some food and you are dismissed. Thank you.